I'm the doctor, by the way. You're listening to Pieces of Eighth, the Doctor Who podcast that likes the piece of museums, unless it's a lovely, noisy Doctor Who one. I was at one of those recently, actually, as uh, people may have heard on The Power of Three uh, when we went to the Worlds of Doctor Who. No, it's the Worlds of Wonder Doctor Who exhibition in Edinburgh. Uh, anyway, Ooh. it's closed now, so back to close oh. several weeks ago, or as we speak today, I think it closes today. Anyway, that doesn't matter. It's all wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. As uh, <laughs> I'm uh, Kenny Smith, and uh, yes, and uh, we're uh, back to explore those sections of the Doctor Universe that feature the incarnation of the Time Lord as played by Paul McGann. And I'm Rebecca Chapman. And you join us as we resume our quest to feature the Eighth Doctor's exploits with their own screen and books, novellas, full cast audio, short stories. Oh, I nearly got it all there in one take without slightly stumbling my words. Damn it. Comics, animations, talking books, magazines, and more. Indeed. This week we've got a short trip with the Eighth Doctor, Museum Piece, by James Swallow. Kenny, uh, could you tell us more about the fictional background story for this? Yes, um, this one is set within the Dalek Universe series of Big Finish audios. Dalek Universe was Big Finish's first spin-off not featuring the Doctor. And it features the adventures of Albie Brook, Susan Mendes and the Knight of Vilisha, Kalendorf, as they faced the might of the Dalek Empire. Susan became uh, our Suze, uh, was uh, used by the Daleks to pretty much to sort of calm the human populace when they carried about invasions and they realised that by having a human influence there they could get better results rather than just going in and exterminating everyone by actually using the people uh, and while Suze at the same time was keeping lives um, from being exterminated so it's quite an interesting background to this one and this is set years after it's all finished. Um, series 3 of um, Dalek Emperor incidentally featured David Tennant as the main character but not playing the Doctor. But used an English accent for it, so there you go. Useless bit of trivia. Um, but yeah, Dalek Empire is just, it's a work of genius by Nick. It's uh, very adult and um, it sort of, you know, takes place within the recognisable Doctor Universe, but very much is its own beast as well, just with um, characters having proper relationships and getting fully explored, whereas you can't probably normally do that in a normal Doctor Who episode if, if you've got 50 odd minutes. But this is an ongoing build-up, so yeah, it's very, very much 21st century Doctor Who in its style, but actually did it first. So yeah, so that gives us sort of the background that Kalendorf's the knight, and he survived the, the massacre when at the end of series two, when our regulars all seem to be dead. All stress all seem to be, but uh, who knows, you can read into that <laughs> what you like. And here we have Kalendorf in the future, and he has an encounter with a gentleman wearing a uh, green coat and has long hair. But before we move on, could you tell us maybe a wee bit more about this story, which runs to 43 minutes and 46 seconds and was made available in a short trip's rarities range in September 2016 from www.bigfinish.com. Could you tell us what the blurb says, please? Oh, of course, you know that I love my, my you know that I love my blurbs. Oh, I do. <laughs> <clears throat> A single old man, one who knows what it is to fight, who understands an enemy few think of anymore, who has had to make terrible decisions in his life, and who now, in a museum, 
with the enemy in front of him reduced to a mere curiosity, meet Kalendor. And now, let's hear the official trailer. <laughs> <laughs> that was very bouncy. I love the change there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips Rarities Museum Piece. The galleries displaying the history of Vega's colonisation and the heritage of Old Earth were popular, as always, although the dreary weather had made attendance numbers sink. He knew the museum's layout by heart from countless visits before this one, and he took shortcuts through the side halls, staying off the main corridors. Presently, Karlendorf crossed the edge of the central atrium, where the vast hologram of Vega Six and her moons drifted overhead in stately silence, and into the Hall of the Daleks. He shied away from the sensor points where the virtual guide avatars lurked, ready to materialise in a cloud of pixels and spout pre-programmed nuggets of information. The hall was dominated by the sweep of an alien troop carrier's wingspan, the curved ship hovering silently up there on suspensers. Burn marks from particle cannon fire remained visible along the ventral surface, a mute testament to the skill of the gunnery crews who had brought the thing down over the mountains outside the capital. Beneath, an intact Dalek transolar disc platform was canted at an angle so that visitors could study it up close. He passed under the grim shadow of the troop ship without looking. Glass cabinets radiated out from the centre of the chamber, and inside each one there were various twists of wreckage or items of wartime hardware. Karlendorf saw broken-off eye stalks, luminosity discharges, and cracked sensor globes alongside Space Fleet-issue Mazer rifles, tattered slave tunics, and replica combat uniforms. At the far end of the hall, placed at greatest distance so that anyone who entered would not be frightened by coming upon them, suddenly there were the Daleks. Big finish. We love stories. So I was doing some reading up, and this is a story with a really interesting background. It was originally published as the concluding short story in the anthology Short Trips Dalek Empire. Later, it was re-released into Short Trips Recollections, the final compilation in print from Big Finish highlighting their best short trips. And then, in 2009, it was read by Nicholas Briggs, becoming the first release in Big Finish's subscriber short trips series, Yep, the first exclusive to monthly range subscribers. Before being released more widely, as you said, in 2016? Absolutely. It's, this is back in the days when Big Finish had a licence to print novel, uh, novel well, sort of uh, short trip stories um, before all the sort of book publishing licences were taken back by the BBC. And they produced some amazing collections of short trips, of course, some of which we heard in the previous series in the run-up to Christmas as we got some Christmas stories from that. And they were great. They were really, really good. So they all had like a central theme, but people had that theme and then they went off and they did their own thing. And it was wonderful. And the, one of the volumes they did was Dalek Empire, which were all stories that took place within the worlds of the earlier aforementioned Dalek Empire, which Nick had created. And this one was the final story in it, as you mentioned. And it is... And it's amazing. Here we've got an old war hero in Kalendor sort of looking back in things and, uh, and there's some wonderful stuff in there about, you know, people sort of looking at him and sort of recognising him, but not, I suppose in some ways it'd be like, you know, Churchill sort of being, you'd see him walking past and sort of like half reckoning, thinking, is that him? 
maybe not. That's I'm using him as an example as somebody who led us through a war is something like that, not uh, <laughs> saying that he was a, a great soldier or anything like that. But you know what I mean. And um, and then going into the museum and just all these relics of the past and it's stuff that we can relate to. You you know what it's like when some of the museums we see here have relics from World Wars One and Two, Boer War, all these conflicts of the past. That makes sense. How did you find it? I think, I mean, the fact what it builds up to is is horrible. It's absolutely horrible, but it's, I mean, it's great. Just the, the dialogue between the two characters is um, the Doctor previously met Kalendorf uh, uh, when he was in his seventh Doctor form in a story called Return of the Daleks from Big Finish. So how did you find this one? It was quite, I think it's quite, I think the ending is shocking because you don't see that coming. I, yeah, I, it was heartbreaking. So, I think we've all had those trips to museums where you've seen the annoying kid running around and you just think, oh, shut up and bugger off. <laughs> yeah, but not like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the stuff is the, as the Dalek awakens, is, I think Nick's reading of that is just the way he goes from his, his warmer reading voice and then just, he just changes it entirely and goes cold clinical when he's doing yes very i was very impressed very skilled performance somebody who knows what they're doing um but i think the fact that um i mean this was written so we know that the time was coming but there's no references to it but um it's quite interesting sort of like the doctor sort of sharing experiences with an old soldier but little do we know what's to become of him yes It's (laughs) it's quite yeah, I think it's a very, very moving piece of writing from Jim, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yes, it is. It is thoroughly enjoyed by both of us, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we can safely say that we both liked it. <laughs> yes. Shall we hear from the writer James Swallow now? I think we should, otherwise it would be a very short episode. Would be. My name is James Swallow, and I'm the author of Museum Piece. Welcome to Pieces of Eighth, Jim. Always a pleasure to have a new voice on an episode of the podcast. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Kenny. It's always good to be on. First question first. What do you remember about the casting of Paul McGann as the Doctor? Um, when, oh, I think... You know, well, now we're going way back, right, to the to the original, uh, to the, to the TV movie. I can remember people talking about it, and and there was like there always is when a new Doctor comes in. You know, there's there's half of people who think it's a fantastic idea, and half of people who think it's a terrible one. But I always liked him as an actor, um, and I can remember thinking about, funnily enough, his performance in Alien Three, and like, oh, how you know, how could a guy who played that kind of role do something like the Doctor, which is just like you know, sort of streets away from from that character that he played in that movie. But I was excited about it because, you know, he's a classically trained actor. I mean, not that a lot of doctors aren't classically trained actors, but he has like, you know, uh, that that sort of, well, that kind of Byronic personality to him, you know, that kind of style to the character, especially when we saw the, you know, the, the first sort of pictures of, of the, the way he dressed and the sort of attitude he presented. And I think like a lot of people, when we only got one movie with him, I was disappointed that, you know, we didn't see more option to, to tell more stories of that character. And so it was great that, like you know, years down the line, that 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 that's kind of been reversed, you know. And we've had so many great stories with him now. Yeah. What do you recall about the first time you saw the TV movie? Do you remember where you were? Um, 
I don't. I'm thinking back now. Would it have been... Oh, I want to say it aired on the Sci-Fi Channel when I saw it, but I don't know if that's true. Uh, so you didn't catch the IC broadcast? I, or maybe I did, I don't know. I, 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 the thing I do remember distinctly about it was, was how it had that kind of that patina that a lot of shows that are shot in Canada have. It's a, there's a kind of quality to the video that looks completely different from the way stuff's shot in the BBC. And immediately I kind of like, oh, this feels slightly strange. It feels slightly off. It feels like it's not being shot by the Beeb, it's being shot by somebody else. And lots of 90s sci-fi blue that was very popular in the X-Files at the time. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that, that kind of, that sort of LED light blue. Yeah, yeah. A lot of that sort of stuff. That very cool, very sort of crisp sort of imagery on it. Yeah. Yeah, love that. So let's skip forward to Short Trip's Dalek Empire. So what do you remember about being commissioned to write Museum Piece, which was the 10th and final story in it, that anthology? Yeah, well, I'd, I think I'd been at that time. I was doing a few stories for different um, short trips anthologies. I think I did four in the end, and it was it was two thousand and five, if I remember correctly, when Nick said, "You know, I'm doing." Nick Briggs said, "Oh, well, we're doing this Dalek Empire collection, and it's going to tie in with what he'd done with the Dalek Empire stories, but also kind of bringing new material." So this expanded kind of mythology. And obviously, the opportunity to write for the Daleks, of course I was going to say yes to that, because I hadn't done a Dalek story. And if you're writing you know, in the Doctor Who mythos, what do you, you know, what do you want to write about is you want to have the opportunity to tell stories of those characters. I got to tell a Cyberman story later on, you know, and that was great as well, because Cybermen were like you know, my favorite Doctor Who monsters. But the Daleks, because they're so iconic, the opportunity to tell a Dalek story you know, I was kind of falling over myself to say yes, and and then of course immediately straight afterwards with that sort of thing, because there have been so many Dalek stories. The, the question you have as a writer is, well, how do I make it interesting? How do I do something different? How do I do something that hasn't been done a hundred times over with these characters? Because so much of their lore and backstory and, and the nature of what they are and how they relate to the Doctor, all those things have been explored and and you know and, and continued to be explored. So I looked at what we had, I looked at the um, the characters from from Dark Empire, specifically Karlendorf, you know, the the uh, the main character played by Gareth Thomas at that point. And I liked I liked his character. I liked the idea of this sort of like cranky old soldier. And I thought this would just dovetail really well with the the sort of the the personality of of uh, the McGann Doctor. And I started thinking, well, how can I do something interesting with these two guys? These two characters are very much at polar opposites. Of, um, of of the sort of like spectrum of the kind of people that they are, and while I'm thinking of all of this, at the same time, all of the stuff about um, you know the new series, all this thing with the time war, all of that is kind of bubbling away, and I'm thinking, how can I pull some threads from that to kind of connect these things together? And my initial idea, I remember pitching it to Nick and saying, this is going to be a kind of Cold War story, like two spies meeting on a bench in a park somewhere. And just having a conversation about you know the war that's going on around them, this silent war thundering silently over their heads while the rest of us are going about our daily lives, you know. And I wanted to get that sort of sense of a, a kind of chilliness and a sort of a sort of kind of ominous feeling kind of bubbling away underneath it. And that was my initial concept for it. Um, but then everything got put on hold because I remember it's uh, 2006 was when we actually started working on it. Um, so, so it had a kind of 
it had almost a year to sort of percolate in my head so when I finally did sit down to start writing it I had a very good sense of what the shape of the story was uh, and I just kind of wrote it in the sort of white heat of this weekend and and, uh, and I had a lot of fun doing it I mean I, I have to say um, I don't often like to I don't like to preen about my own work you know, a lot of people kind of will, will say oh yes, yes a fabulous, I'm a fabulous writer etc et but I have to say I feel that museum piece is my best bit of Doctor Who writing I've had a lot of fun doing different doctors and writing different stories and I've enjoyed every every one of them but museum piece is the one that I come back to and I feel like I I think I just did I feel like I did everything right in that story I think it's a fab piece of work I'm not going to disagree with you I think that the part of the joy of this one must have been an excuse to listen to Dalek Empire series one and two just to get that feeling for Kalendorf and capturing his voice again because he's such a rich strong character yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I initially I thought about having maybe some of the other characters in the story, you know, sort of flashback moments. Um, but in the end, I realized that that just kind of drew focus away from what this is. This is a two-handed story. It has to be about the Doctor and Karlendorf and why other characters can be referred to and other, other events that we've seen in the past of that timeline, you know, can be talked about. It has to be about them. So, yeah, it was very important for me to sort of get that tone right listening to, to Gareth Thomas you know delivering his lines and he's got such a he plays that character so well yeah, everybody associates Gareth with obviously Blake from Blake 7 and a lot of people will, will, will see him and they'll think of that character but Karlendorf is, is, is a very different man and has a very different sort of presence and so for me I was, I was trying to drill down into that to, to pull that out and and get that sense of, of who he was. And of course, the, the character of Karlendorf in this story is not the same guy we've seen in, in Dalek Empire. You know, this is decades later, and, and now he's become this sort of Churchillian kind of figure, you know, this this man who was once this great war hero who's been sort of, you know, a chancellor and, and sort of president and a politician, and now he's now he's kind of passed that, and he's this, this old soldier carrying this sort of great weight of this terrible war that he fought and when we find him at the beginning of the story you know he what he wants is he's looking for peace he's looking for a kind of an understanding that the war is over but he can't he can't let it go because all of those sort of ingrained senses and abilities and that sort of soldierness of him he can't he can't step back from that he can't release it and then he has this confrontation with the doctor who's in a similar situation you know before the time war having to make a terrible decision and he, and he's coming to Karlendorf because he knows he knows the guy will understand the, the dilemma that he's in yeah I like the fact that you've got the museum setting I think it's one for you it's quite serene and so it's quite strange you know, given that we've previously heard Kalendorf he's been at the heart of the action you know with Daleks and war and danger ever present and here as you say he's getting towards the end of his life and and the doctors on the scene and they're just, just it's almost like two warriors having a conversation as you say just um one almost before the war comes and one after the war um so what made you go with this this fantastic location as your setting well i i love museum um you know hand on heart i love one i mean the whole bit at the beginning of the story where Karlendorf talks around about just kind of wandering through a museum when there's nobody around and just sort of enjoying the atmosphere of it that's that's all me and i love doing that just you know the, the the whole sense of it and i think having been to lots of different museums especially military museums and seeing 
you know, the, these artifacts and, and objects that are from sort of like terrible conflicts. And you see these things in glass cabinets and it, it, it kind of robs them of the power of, the, of, of the, the, the terror and horror of what these things are is often you'll see like, you know, weapons or you'll see bits of uh, aircraft or bombs or that sort of thing, you know, and it ju they just look like these sort of dusty relics sitting in a glass cabinet. And sometimes I think it's difficult for us as people who, have, who haven't experienced warfare directly is to understand what the connection is with the reality of that and the terror and the horror behind those things. And so that was definitely a, a theme that I, I wanted to put in there as well, that the idea of, of these, these static objects in a glass cabinet is that even if they are in, in the real world, even if they're inert, in, in, a, in, a, in a real sense, in a kind of figurative sense, they're not in there. They're still packed with, freighted with all these sort of terrible possibilities and, and all the, the kind of the, the, the energy of the history that surrounds these things are not the sort of thing it, you shouldn't forget about it. You know, you shouldn't forget what that represents. You know, if you see, you know, a, a, a flag with a swastika sticker on it or a machine gun or, you know, chains that were used to bind somebody, all of these things are real objects that had a real effect. Just recently, I was I was in the British Museum, and this came to me again. I was looking at a, a Viking dagger, and it's just this corroded little dart of metal. And I'm asking myself, you know, who died on the edge of that blade? You know, that very, very probably that was used to kill somebody. Is and and, and and to me now, it's just a it's just a rusted piece of metal in a glass cabinet. And how do you connect those sets of events together? It's you know, how do you go back to the resonance of that and I think that's a very powerful idea and I wanted to play with that in this sort of science fictional context. Yeah, I think it builds up really well the fact you've got, well, we're aware of what's going on and the fact that the Dalek is slowly reactivating and powering up and uh, picking its target carefully. Um, I think there's, there's a wonderful tension to that. Did you enjoy putting that together to sort of that slow build up where the reader knows what's happening but the others don't? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. There's, there's Alfred Hitchcock always talks about the the best kind of tension is the story where you've got two guys having a conversation over a table and there's a bomb under the table that they don't know is there, and you can and we can see the bomb ticking away, uh, and the and the two characters are just you know happily having a cup of tea and just chatting about their day, and I wanted to kind of touch that idea with this. It's the idea of the the Dalek getting into really getting into the kind of the thought process, getting into the head of how a Dalek thinks and operates and just creating uh, a viewpoint from something that is just driven by this absolutely singular pathological pure rage and hatred and how you know it, it, i mean it's there's a point in the story where the dalek has the opportunity to kind of use its energy to kind of send a mayday message or to kill somebody and it immediately picks the option to kill somebody rather than save itself because that's what the daleks are because they are so massively hateful and it was interesting to get into that and, and just play that out, you know, because I think we don't, we don't often get to see an internal viewpoint from them because they are, you know, this force of nature, this, this terrible threat that kind of thunders its way through Doctor Who stories. We don't often get stories where we get a look inside them. So it was fun to, fun to do a viewpoint from, you know, from that internal viewpoint of the, da of the Dalek. And I, I worked very hard as well to make sure in, in that sequence in that whole sequence where um, where we're hearing the Dalek's thoughts, the word Dalek only ever appears once in that in that dialogue. Did you find it quite almost like I find a kind of pressure 
when you were doing that, just to try to get make sure that you got inside the Dalek's head, as it were, quite literally and figuratively, um, to just to make sure you captured that feeling of hatred and loathing of everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I went back and I'm, I'm looking at previous stories where where we've had the opportunity to see the Daleks doing more than just saying, you know, exterminate, and where we where we've actually got to see a little of their thought process. So I was trying to trying to understand that, you know, and trying to try to make that feel real. What would it be like to be to be a creature of of that kind? How would their thought process work? It wouldn't just be just pure on rage it would be something much more controlled and much more in, in a lot of ways much more sinister than that because it, it it is all done with with this horrible malice of Thorthor and it's uh and it's a nice kind of comparison to you know that's going on sort of in the glass cabinet inside the Dalek said while at the same time we've got this much more metered sort of human conversation that's going on between Kallendorf and the Doctor. No, Kallendorf we mentioned him earlier how did it feel writing for him, given that at this point Nick Briggs was really the only person who'd written for him in terms of audio? So obviously with yourselves and the other writers setting stories during the, the Dalek Empire series, but how did you find that? Did you find that an extra pressure playing with his toy? Well, Nick's always been really super generous with this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I, I went to the source, obviously, you know, I read what Nick wrote. Uh, and I think uh, on some levels he and I have a kind of similar style of writing. It's part of the reason why I think we worked really well together when we did the, the Cyberman miniseries. And I, could, I, th I think I had a good sense of, of, of what Nick intended with that character. And I just, you know, I just read what Nick wrote and I just grew, grew, grew him out from there, you know, because the character we see in Nick's stories, as I say, you know, it's decades earlier, he's a different man. But he's very clear about who that character is about his sort of knightly kind of fashion of the man that he is and and the idea of him being this honorable soldier you know kind of in a lot of ways in, in a in a similar sort of mold to a character like the brigadier and and that's an interesting sort of thing to compare against the doctor putting those characters they they, they put each other into sharp relief so i just pulled from what nick wrote and, and just kind of built on that excellent and how did you find writing for the eighth doctor well he's great I mean, I, I, I like the sort of rhythm and cadence of his voice. He's, he has this ability to sort of just kind of turn on a sixpence from from being kind of light and sort of fluffy and then suddenly like, you know, deadly serious. I think he he, he embodies a lot of the, the sort of mercurial qualities of the Doctor that I find really entertaining to write. And, he, you know, there's and, and he also brings this just this kind of nice sense of of kind of melancholy that I think that he just just it's, it's really understated. But it plays really well, and again, I, I I looked on that and kind of pulled that thread out a little bit. And there's a, one of my favourite lines in this is where he where he he sees the Daleks for the very first time, and he says, he's describing them, and he says these silly big pepper pots. He said it would be hard to be scared of them if you didn't know what they could do. Uh, and and that comes from from uh, that sort of sense of of him having this sort of like experience with these things and this melancholy and this but also this sort of outsider viewpoint as well is where he can look beyond his own personal experiences and see the Daleks that somebody who didn't know what they were would see them. Yeah, that's a very, very good way of putting him. So when, um, when I was writing the story, uh, there were quite a lot of Time War references that were a lot more blatant in the very first draft. And uh, you know, I wanted to really make it clear that this was tying into, you know, the the last days 
of the McGann Doctor before he regenerated and then the early opening salvo of the Time War. Um, and perhaps I think I was a little bit too eager <laughs> to kind of draw that connecting matter. So in the end, uh, the BBC were like, no, can you dial it back a little bit? And, and there's one vestigial reference that still stays in there. Is there's a line where the Doctor says to Karlendorf, um, do you know a place called San? And, uh, and Karlendorf doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, oh, never mind. It doesn't mean anything. That was originally going to be a reference to Arcadia, which, if you remember, you know, the Time War, that has a much bigger connection. And they were like, you can't say Arcadia. You have to cut that out. So we, we thought about how we would do it. And in the end, it was uh, Simon Gurrier, who was the story editor on that. And he said, well, we're going to change it to the word San, which is from the... It's a letter from the, I think it's a letter from the, the Greek translation of the word Arcadia has that unique word in it. So it's a very kind of clever nested sort of reference there. So if you know your mythology, he is talking about Arcadia there, but in a kind of slightly twisted way, which I thought was a clever way to get around it. I want to give you a round of applause for that. Over no, that there. has that has to go to Simon because he, you know, Simon uh, has a classical education that's way better than mine. <laughs> Brilliant. Was there any other changes along the way? Any other wee bits that were nipped and tucked? Lead. That was it. Just the. But I just thought that was an interesting little factoid. Yeah. You know, that, that uh, sort of a, a, of a bit that got cut, so yeah. kind of left along the cracking floor. But the rest of it um, was was pretty much as is. Brilliant. Fantastic. So the book was released and it got a very very positive reaction at the time. Were you pleased with that? The way it went down. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was. 2000 and so yeah, 2000, so that would have been 2007, I think, yeah. when 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 the when the Dalek Empire short trips book came out. Funnily enough, actually, you know, we we actually had a conversation after the book came out. We talked about doing a dramatization, a proper full cast audio dramatization, not to, not the sort of like the talking book that we we eventually did after that. And I started work on adapting it. And I think it, that was in 2007, but it didn't happen because I think at the time um, the BBC wanted to keep a Dalek and Cyberman stories limited. And so I think they were kind of saying to Big Finish, you can't do as many of those. So unfortunately, the sort of full cast adaptation of, of Museum Peace fell by the wayside. But then, um, you know, we, we got a really positive response for it. And then I think it was we got the and then it was i mean i think because it was such a such a well-received story when they did the the, the was it the transmissions Re no recollections was the was the sort of like the greatest hits collection that they did for stories from um, from the short trip story and that i was really pleased when nick said oh you know i love this story we're going to pick that one and put it in the in the in the big sort of compiled edition and then off the back of that he said you know this is a great story let's talk about doing doing more with it and that's when he said i'm going to do I'm going to do the, uh, the the sort of the enhanced reading that he did, which I was really pleased with. I think he just absolutely nailed that perfectly. Yeah, that must have been a real joy when you were, when you were told it was going to get a new lease of life and obviously it's there as a special for Big Finish subscribers and now available as part of the subscriber specials range as well. Yeah, I think it was one of the very first ones they did, the Short Trips um, subscriber specials. I was just, I was so happy with it. And I think Nick does a terrific job characterizing it as well. And, and also there's there's some great sort of um, sound effects really play a, a terrific role in that. Is this, there's a great moment in it where um, he talks about Karlendorf walking into the museum and into the hall of the Daleks. And as he says the word Daleks, you get that kind of sound effect, you know, that sort of, that, that kind of 
Dalek twang noise, and it really made the kind of hairs on the back of my arms stand up. And I thought, that's just nailing it perfectly. Um, so yeah, I, I was very, very pleased with the way that came out. And then, yeah, and then after a while, I think it was 2016 when they when they finally did the full re-release and then made it available to everybody to listen to. Um, and it's still up there on, on the Big Finish site now. And I still get people occasionally sending me the odd message on Twitter or um, via my website saying, oh, I've listened to this and I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's great that the story continues to have a lease of life. It has been a bit borked by some of the later continuity that has happened in the show. So, you know, if you kind of look at it now, it's like, eh, it doesn't really quite match up. But if you, if you squint a little bit, I mean, it's still, it's still a good story and it still, it still works enough for you to be able to enjoy it, I think. Absolutely. We can just blame it on the time war and put a continuity. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't quite work. Things are going all wibbly wobbly. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed that um, after we chat today, there may be a few people out there who've not heard it yet and will be going out and downloading themselves a wee copy after buying it from the Big Finish website, of course. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, uh, I really hope people enjoy it. And I, and I love to hear from people who, who've listened to my stuff. If you know, if you have any opinions, feel free to drop me a note on Twitter and tell me what you think. Fantastic. And where can people find you on Twitter, Jim? I'm on Twitter at JM Swallow. Um, I'm also on uh, Mastodon, although I can't remember the <laughs> I can't remember the website for that. Or the best place to find me is is uh, my official website, which is jswallow.com. That's brilliant, Jim. Thank you so much for your time and coming on Pieces of Eight to have a chat about Museum Beast today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks to Jim for taking the time to join us and sharing his recollections of a well-loved story. Uh, absolutely, uh, but that's not all. We've got a second guest today making his Pieces of Eight debut. It's a film by the name of Nicholas Briggs. Ooh! And here he is. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs, the executive producer of Big Finish Productions. And I put together the Short Trips audio recording of Museum Piece by James Swallow. Having created the character of Kallendorf, how strange was it for you to hear another writer putting words into your creation's mouth? I can't remember how strange it felt that James Swallow had written um, a story featuring Kallendorf, which was a character I created for Dalek Empire. I suppose it was a bit weird, and it was the... I think... I wanted to say it was the only time it was done, but that was um, a Dalek Empire collection of short trips, I think. So um, there were a number of stories in it based on the Dalek Empire stuff I'd created. But uh, when I decided to do a sort of freebie short trips recording uh, for Big Finish all those years ago uh, in, in an office in um, Lower Sydenham, I remember. That's right, I had a little... Uh, semi-soundproofed uh, booth behind my desk and I sort of nipped in there and did it. Uh, I think I did Museum Piece because I think it was my favourite story from the collection you know because it was released as a book and uh, the sort of I loved the whole kind of um, intensity of it and Carl uh, and Dorf sort of going through the rain and pulling his collar up at the beginning um, yeah it had a very um well, yeah, a very concentrated, intense atmosphere to it. So it was fun to do. I think it was the first time I'd actually sat down in an office and recorded, a, a, albeit short, audio book myself. But yeah, 
so it wasn't too strange. It was enjoyable. I love James's writing anyway. I thought he was ideal for it, and I think he did a brilliant job. How long did it take to record, and how did you find bringing it to life by performing the reading yourself and then doing the music and sound design? Well, the way I did the reading was that uh, after I finished, I th it was not long after I'd become executive producer, and so I had an awful lot of... Um, office work to do a lot of organization and stuff and uh, so when I got to the end of my day before I toddled off home I um, went into the the little booth behind me um, when everyone else had left the office and recorded as much as um, I felt I could do before I was too tired now it's not that long a story so I'm thinking it took me maybe two or three sessions maybe just two but yeah then I record recorded it and went through and used um, uh, old music tracks that I'd composed for Dalek Empire as the music and uh, and constructed all the sound design I think it's fairly sound design and music heavy because I love all that stuff and I was having fun it was a little fun project I did I mean, I suppose I did it under the auspices of being executive producer, but I certainly didn't do it for any extra money. I just, um, I don't know how we first made it available, actually. But we, yeah, I thought it would be a fun thing to put out there as a freebie. Thanks very much for joining us, Nick, and hopefully we will get to speak to you again very soon. And there we go. That's my joint boss at Big Finish there. Thank you, Sir Nicholas. Um, we need to get Jason on sometime to talk about stuff. Did you know that Paul McGann was at Jason Hay Gallery's wedding? I, 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 that's amazing. If I ever get married, I want Paul McGann at my wedding. Yeah. What, to marry <laughs> you? To actually be the person whom you marry? No, 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 no. <laughs> what, to conduct who will perform the ceremony? If, if, if that was something that he could do, yes. If not, okay. just as a guest. Okay. <laughs> but, oh, I'll, uh, I'll mention it to him. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Now remember, if you've enjoyed today's Pieces of Eighth, or indeed liked any episode we've done, please do leave a review for us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts, as it means more people can find our episodes and it's always appreciated. And you can always follow the podcast on Twitter if you do not do so already, at Pieces of Eighth. And also we have a new Facebook group which you can join and get advanced previews of what we've got coming up throughout the rest of this series too, so when we've got episode links recorded, then you'll be get to read about it as people who are listening to this now will have found out a fortnight ago. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Anyway. It we'll does make sense, but it def definitely making my head go... <laughs> yeah, again, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. And we'll Indeed. be back next week as we find out about the 8th Doctor-related interview compilation, which was released by Real Time Pictures. And we chat with its producer, Keith Barnfather, who... Bizarrely, uh, well, that whole episode was recorded before this one. So again, wibbly wobbly. But yes, we're talking about the Doctor's, the Paul McGann years. That was completely my fault, of course, because I started reading the wrong script when we started recording. <laughs> but hey, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's all there, it's written and ready to go. So until next time, I've been Kenny Smith. And I was Rebecca Chapman. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.